Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Vines. Welcome to the Mark Vines Show. And thank you for once again joining us for your one-stop shop for freedom, the American way, patriotism, the Constitution, and really just everything you need to know about living your life the right way. And folks, today we are going to be interviewing candidate... Christopher Stone, and I say candidate, he is running for the House of Delegates here in Virginia, the 13th District. Uh, we had Christopher Stone on uh, the show back in August, and and he came back, and we're going to get a, a status of his campaign and, and some of the new developments on there. So with that, uh, you know, just as a reminder, Christopher is a decorated veteran. He's a former business executive, and he's a, also a graduate-level professor uh, a poli- and a public policy leader. And he is trying to be elected to the 13th District here in the Virginia House of Delegates. So a lot of people may not know nationwide that uh, Virginia is one of the few states. In fact, I think it's just Virginia and New Jersey that has uh, a statewide election coming up here in November. And um, early voting has already started, even though we're in September. I just, it's just, hey guys, I don't know what the heck happened for there's a voting day and you show up and vote. I don't know. But at any rate, early voting has started. We're in that process right now. We'll talk about that a little bit and what you can do. And uh, with that, welcome once again, uh, Christopher, to the show. Thanks very much for having me. appreciate it. Okay. So, What's happened since the last time we spoke with you? Just kind of give us an update on the campaign. Sure. So um, we've been uh, growing and uh, pushing out and just keep plugging away, um, basically getting out to all the different precincts around the around the district. And again, for those that aren't familiar with District 13, it's in Northern Virginia. It's in Prince William County, and it consists of the main three cities are Manassas Park, Gainesville, and Haymarket area. And... Um, so what we've been doing is just basically doing lots of, of in-person chatting. We've had a uh, pretty strong presence on social sites um, and have just been dealing with uh, the standard um, you know, attacks and, and smear campaigns that usually happen with these kinds of things as we approached early voting, which started last Friday um, in, in Northern Virginia. So it's an interesting time and uh, a lot of uh, interesting issues to discuss, and we are now scheduled for... A, uh, a debate slash candidate forum on October 14th in Manassas uh, between myself and my opponent. So that'll be the only time that we actually uh, chat with each other um, uh, in this election cycle. So that's sort of where we are. And we're, we're seeing a lot of groundswell. Uh, we keep running out of signs and, uh, and handouts. So I'll be making more orders and just trying to keep moving ahead with, with the limited budget I have and, uh, and all that. So you say October 14th is – that's going to be a debate? It's They call it a candidate forum, but it's the closest thing to a debate we'll probably have. Okay. Is that is that moderated, or how do they do that? Yeah, it's supposed to be moderated um, by the Nova Community College um, leader. I don't remember what the title is. It might be chancellor or president or something, but it's supposed to be moderated. It's going to be myself and Danica Rome on a platform in the auditorium there at the school. And uh, – probably about an hour long, so it won't be too long. Okay, and so uh, correct me, well, go ahead and, and let the listeners know, uh, Danica Rome has been in office for how long? Uh, Danica Rome was elected in 2017, uh, defeating a, a long-term incumbent uh, Republican and was re-elected in 2019 uh, as well. Okay, so really two years. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was reelected no, in 2019. Four. Almost four yeah, years Yeah, almost now. four years. Right. Okay. And so when, so Danica Rome has been in office during that time, and I understand that there is a big smear campaign going on uh, against you by the campaign. And and so with that, kind of tell us about what the, the smear is, and let's just sort of correct the record on um, some of the things that are being mentioned uh, so the listeners will know that. And and uh, by the way, folks, I'm going to encourage you to get out and do research on all of the different issues. Um, politics has always been ugly, but it seems to be particularly ugly these days. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, if you've been under a rock, uh, we are really starting to hemorrhage at the seams here, in, in not just here in Virginia, but in the country. And you need to understand something. You need to understand that what... If you are not happy with what's going on at the national level in the United States today, 
You need to understand that there is a connection between what's going on nationally and what's going on locally, because these national policies that you don't like are only being implemented because they they can um, they they are rolled out at the local level in your school boards, in um, the state policies, laws, enforcement. Um, it's the states that have to enforce much of what you see going on, and so these are important elections, and you have to get out and vote. So with that, knowing that at the state and local level, this is where the implementation happens. Um, Christopher, go ahead and tell us about some of the things that are being said, and let's correct the record on that. Yeah, sure. So, um, and, and again, this if, if you, anyone out there is a history buff, they'll know that this is not necessarily something that's new. So the, the smear campaign, while irritating, is, is, you know, not surprising. I've had uh, about four media uh, hit pieces come out um, primarily by uh, LGBTQ-related organizations. Um, and most of them interviewed me. Um, and uh, it, it, was just, it was just based on uh, some family surveys and things that I've, I've stated. And then one was from a local newspaper. Um, and then, of course, the thing that the, the trolls, as they're called on social sites, then are motivated to come out and, and, and bash things. So... What what I've what I've been doing um, is essentially just pressing forward and leveraging those things to to highlight the differences between myself and my opponent. Um, and obviously, I've been called all the all the fun names like racist, xenophobe, and everything, um, which is interesting given my my I have a Cuban aunt and my wife is part Japanese and my kids are mixed. So, well, you're clearly that. a white supremacist. Yeah, clearly. amazing. So. But so what the what the issue was they they, they like to leverage um, they like to leverage this fam one of the family association related surveys I filled out a lot of surveys um, to try to gain support of PACs and things and um, and one of the questions was asking that they hit on a lot is was asking about educational benefits tuition assistance scholarships things of that sort for college uh, students and one of the things that uh, that they asked me was, should illegal alien uh, kids have access to tuition assistance and scholarships and stuff? And my answer, you know, it was a two-sentence answer, and the press people pretty much focused on only one sentence. They didn't give the full quote, obviously. And my answer, I'll just give you my answer, and then I'll tell you what they said. I said, um, the answer that I said was essentially, you know, there's really no, why would we reward people who break the law uh, to come here um, with with free education that should belong to the people who follow the law and follow the rules. And so the people that I mentioned in the second sentence that was left out was citizens, obviously, people who are U.S. citizens, naturalized or otherwise, uh, people on resident visas even. So I'm not opposed to, to foreign residents as long as they're here legally and doing what they're supposed to. And then people on student visas even. And those folks are just here temporarily anyway. So if you're here and, and, you're, and you're wanting to follow the law, then, yeah, you should be able to apply for, for scholarships and stuff as, as long as you follow the law. But if you didn't, why reward that bad behavior with, with tax dollars that, that citizens pay? Um, and then somehow they get first dibs over people who follow the rules. So that was my position. And it was spun to be that I am against educating um, immigrants and I'm against educating children and all that kind of stuff. So, which isn't what I said, <laughs> but that's what they're spinning it out to be. So a couple did that. And then the others were on family issues. And, and, uh, even though I never said these things directly, um, they're making me into some somehow hostile to LGBTQ people when that wasn't what I said. Um, what I was saying was, is basically a lot of the people on the Democrat left want to rely upon the judiciary, which is meant to be an arbitrary branch to decide, quote unquote, um, things regarding socially, you know, changing items such as, you know, marriage and definitions of gender and all these kinds of things that we're dealing with, with um, in our education system and other places in society. And my, th and my answer to all the questions was essentially the same. If it means so much to you and you're a legislator, then let's talk about it, debate it, legislate it, and, and go forward. Don't rely on an, arbitrary, on an arbitrary decision that could be reversed later 
because there have been bad uh, court cases in the past that have declared something to be constitutional when in fact it was not, or that something was okay when in fact it was not. And um, and so they made it be like you know this this hate monger of a person, which you know even even the the uh, a few of the LGBT folks you know reporters who interviewed me um, you know were upset with how their editors took their their articles. Um, which was interesting to me that they could tell that I wasn't, um, a psycho, <laughs> but that's how they portrayed it. So that motivated all their folks to, as a, as a motivation for donations and as a motivation for attacking, attacking me. But, but it is what it is. And, um, the great thing about, about those is one, one, I'll just give you one quick anecdote. One of the articles even mentioned a quote from a, a group that supports my opponent, and was basically saying that, you know, calling people who go to school boards and are afraid of CRT and things of that sort are, quote, extremists. And so I used that quote, posted it saying, this is what what my opponent and the groups that align with my opponent think of you, parents who care about what your children are being taught in your schools and how your school board is treating you. They view you as extremists. So that tells you a lot right there about the, the type of people that are currently in Richmond. Yeah, this is this has got to be changed. It really does. <laughs> this has got to be changed. Uh, any chance that these editors that uh, of these magazines are they going to go back and change? Are they going to do any updates to any of these articles? I think I know the answer to that, but I thought I'd ask you. And I'm not aware of any. I know that one of the reporters, um, you know, like I said, sent me sort of a nice, kind note, apologizing and saying they were going to try to tell the editor, you know, hey, this is not what I wanted it to look like, but it didn't happen. And I th- I sent a note back to that reporter, um, the LGBTQ reporter, saying, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for trying to be balanced <laughs> despite everything. So, again, I'm not uh, – clearly I'm not a, I'm not a, a quote, hate monger and all that kind of stuff as they try to train me as this nasty person. Mm-hmm. Anybody who sits down and gets to know me, regardless of if I agree with you or not, you know, as long as, as long as you're civil with me, I'm civil with you, and uh, that 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 happens every now and then. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time. Right. When when people when people of the opposite uh, viewpoint want to engage me. You know what's interesting is I happen to know, and I'm sure you do too. I know a lot of people that are in the the LGBT community, and you know, people that are openly gay. And what I'm hearing from a lot of my friends that are in that community is that the far, far left has really hijacked that that community. That I think that there's a general impression in America that all of the people that are um, LGBT agree with all of this, and not everyone does. Yeah. Yeah, well, one of the, again, one of the points I, I focused on primarily with all these questions um, is essentially more of a process or legal related thing. Right. So one of the concerns that a lot of people have with, with a lot of these new laws that have come out of Richmond and, and are trying to be pushed at the federal level regarding that, that topic and that, that group of folks is, um, well, one, they're trying to divide us into groups, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I, I view people as Virginians and Americans or they're not. That's, that's the two groups that I, I care about. Um, I don't, I don't do this whole demographical, balkanization thing right that they're trying to push but the second thing is is when it comes to when it comes to all these these situations most of the concerns of people that i've been talking to um around the district um they're just concerned that in in the quest to to protect um these folks for against you know discriminatory behavior and other things of that sort that they're they're actually discriminating against everybody else or other groups that have different viewpoints and more traditional values, such as, um, you know, Christians, Jews, things of that sort. And with with regard to a, things like adoption, with regards to things like marriage recognition, things of that sort. And so I said that, you know, a lot of people are just concerned with the way it's written, that there has to be a way to write laws that that are written in a way that supports all rights of everybody as enumerated and as protected in the constitutions of mm-hmm. both the U.S. and the and the Commonwealth of Virginia, and if there are questions about that, then those should be dealt with. And that's essentially what I said. And that came out in the press as Chris Stone doubles down on his anti-LGBT blah blah blah. And I'm like, what the heck? 
So <laughs> that's not at all what I was saying. Um, but in, anyway, that's that's what people are telling me, and that's what I said. But you know, if you look at the at the full record, this is not the issue that people really are are jazzed about. Um, and Rome knows this, but this is how they rally their base um, to try to try to you know counter me because I've been pointing out Danica Rome's record of four years in the in the state house and how dismal it is and how destructive it's been to Virginia economically and public safety in every other way possible. And uh, it's just interesting to see that response. And so I think I'm, I'm getting through to some folks and um, we'll see if that's enough to put me over um, on election day or election time <laughs> in this case and, and go from there. Well, this is just another sign that these people have to go. These people are just so dishonest and we cannot trust these people. I mean, just take in the last uh, nine or so months. Look at everything that has gone wrong. Do we have one policy? Uh, Chris, tell me, what has gone right in the last nine months? Do we have anything? Anything that has um, gone right? Not from Either a policy nationally or standpoint. Either on the state level? I can't think of anything positive other than the, the, the fact that people are starting to seemingly wake up and start to push back. And try to resecure and restore uh, their constitutional liberties and um, and the society as a whole. Um, other than that, from a policy perspective, no, um, I personally can't think of anything that is good given the record of higher taxes and inflation and public and higher rates of homicide. And I mean, I could go on for a while, but we can uh, talk lockdown, about it. Schools, our children. Yeah, our, lockdowns. Uh, go, uh, we, cultural we, we Marxism. Have, I mean, all sorts of interesting things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, speaking of which, schools. Let, let's let's pivot over to the school um, situation here. Uh, you uh, Off the air before we came on to the show, you were talking about uh, the, the school board meetings. Right. How are those going? Well, um, Obviously, if, if people are paying attention, they've heard about Loudoun County. That's sort of been a nationally mm -hmm. um, watched thing where they are pushing this uh, cultural Marxist viewpoint, sometimes called cultural race theory, sometimes called um, other things, but to, to sound nicer. Um, and a lot of what's been going on is these parents are showing up and they're expressing their concern. And one of the, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned earlier, either on the air or off the air, was that um, people uh, who have, have been quoted in some of these hit pieces, some groups that align with my opponent have called parents who show up to to be concerned about the indoctrination of their kids with Marxist ideology as extremists. Mm -hmm. And I made sure to post that to say this is what my opponent and friends think of you uh, as you know parents who want to be engaged with what you as taxpayers are paying for in your educational system what your kids are being taught about themselves, their friends, their family, and their country, and that it's all essentially that they're oppressors and that everyone else is being oppressed. And it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. So they're, they're shutting down a lot of these public meetings. They're now preventing people from speaking very long at all. They're cutting off mics and people are being pushed out. And a lot of that's been bleeding over into Prince William uh, County and some groups are of similar persuasion to the ones led by Ian Pryor in Loudoun County are now, popping up in, in my county and they've been showing up in force to to some of these these uh, the last couple of school board meetings and um with with heavy i mean obviously they're, they're they're heavily democrat um controlled now and the first time they they were you know considered a little bit over overwhelming to these people they weren't used to having a pushback on things and they keep assuring oh we're not doing anything like that and then there were some articles that they claim that the school board chair was basically caught off mic saying that or something that, Oh yeah, we're going to do this. Um, maybe it was on a blog or something. Um, and then you look at, and then, but now they, the last meeting, it, it, a lot of people who were there felt like it, it was a setup that some people showed up to create some, some shenanigans and the police ended up having to clear the room and they had a super short meeting and there wasn't any real public discourse whatsoever. And they're, they're planning on shortening the amount of time that citizens can express themselves to their elected school board members, which is not the way it's supposed to work. And frankly, in my view, if these people don't understand who they represent, 
then they should be removed. And that's what's happening in, in Loudoun County and other places or in Fairfax County. They're trying to recall people um, and remove them from office. And a lot of, and unfortunately in Fairfax County, a lot of judges, um, mostly liberal judges, are preventing a lot of that from happening. So then I'll just mention one other broader implication. And the interesting piece of this is these two um, and three, if you count Fairfax County school boards, there there is a state law that my opponent voted for and that went into effect in July that basically mandates this uh, cultural Marxist ideology to be taught in the school districts in Virginia, the entire Commonwealth, beginning early next year. The legislation um, calls it cultural competency training, and obviously because that sounds nice. Oh, um, and when the, if you look up if you look up the rules, um, basically it's tied to teacher um, training licensing. So in order to teach, you have to accept this training and you have to incorporate it into your curriculum and all that. And the guidance from the State Department of Education is supposed to come down no later than New Year's Eve of this year for execution into 2022. And um, so if you don't want to do it, you get fired. If you don't implement it, you get fired. So, um, and if you look at the language, it's not like cultural competency, like, oh, we want to understand all the different cultures of the world and how they're melded together in one nation. That's not what they're teaching. They're basically focusing on one racial piece um, that's based on a, a, a Marxist ideology that is divisive and counter to the American system encounter to liberty and everything else and so these two or three county school boards are basically kind of getting a head start on the statewide mandate that governor northam and the democrat majority has decided to push um and you can put all i mean i can send it to you and you can post it on your page if you want people to read it yeah i'd love to yeah so it's that's that's what's going on with that well this is just another sign that elections matter you, you cannot. The days of sitting out elections and just saying that my vote doesn't matter and other people, you know, I'll let other people worry about that. Those days are over because what's mm. the sentiment out there? When you go out and you're on the campaign trail, are you meeting a lot of resistance to this or uh, are we just kind of speaking into the wind here and, and people really do? I mean, do Americans really believe this? Do people really support this totalitarian, really just revisionist history and uh, – uh, just draconian methods, and if you don't buy into this, you're fired. Uh, do re- people really want that? What's your sense when you're on the campaign trail? Yeah, the I meet a, a bunch of different types of folks. Um, there are the folks that are that are aware and they're upset, and they are glad to see that I'm out here trying to push back against all this crazy. Um, then there are people who who don't really pay attention to anything. They just want to live their lives. They don't pay attention to what's going on in either capital or whether it's county, state, or, or federal. And they just think that this is the same old, same old. It's just the same old politics thing and they're reverse to it and they don't, they don't care. Um, and then there are people who have no idea um, what's going on and, um, and they're just all about, you know, whatever the current person is, is doing just fine. And they don't believe that a lot of these concerns are are legitimate because they're just told so, and they're, they just believe what they're told. Um, and I have met people who who have said, "Yeah, my vote doesn't matter." Especially after last year, I don't really think it ma- you know why bother. And I'm trying to tell them, look, it does matter. And if you don't vote, you're basically surrendering to all this crazy stuff that you will that will eventually get to your doorstep, even if you don't have children in school currently. Um, because it does impact, it's going into business, it's going into government, it's going into the military, it's going to a lot of places. Yes, it is. Um, and it's permeating things through. And and now you're seeing everything, you know, from the, the cultural Marxist side to the more traditional Marxist on the economic issues being pushed through at the federal level, with Nancy Pelosi essentially pushing for a more of a less capitalistic, more Chinese communist kind of economic system. Uh, levels of changes because of the quote damage that capitalism does to people and which is a load um, because we, we give it's opportunity and equality is, is what we are all about in America. It's, mm-hmm. it's equal opportunity to make the best of your situation based on your own decisions and your hard work. And what they're pushing is something called equity, which has nothing to do with that. It's equity means equal outcomes. 
And if you have equal outcomes, and anybody that is old enough to remember the the Soviet Union and the communist bloc, and I can assure you, people from Eastern Europe do, because there are several people who escaped Eastern Europe that are that are in my area that have hosted me at events, whether from South American communist countries or Eastern European communist countries, who are seeing it and recognize it for what it is and are very concerned, and that has got them. Um, active and helping in my campaign as well. And these are the people that the Democrats, so-called, and um, my opponent label as extremists. Patriotic Americans, you just want to see us remain a free, um, prosperous, and safe place to raise our uh, families and do business. It's funny because I've, I've been to Eastern Europe, and they love America. Uh, ironically, I was in Poland, and they love Donald Trump there. They love Donald Trump. <laughs> and the the thought that we would try to adopt a communist system, a communist way of doing business, is laughable to them. It's it's really bizarre to you know people in Poland and the, and the folks that I've met, other people I've met from Eastern Europe. They, they're mm-hmm. baffled by why anybody in this country would want to adopt those those systems. They're broke. I can't think. Where has communism or, or socialism worked? Do, do we have any examples of that? There aren't any. Um there are people who try to make some of the Nordic countries who are more socialistic than, than capitalistic as examples of, of goodness. But um, even those countries would say, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're not, we're not, we wouldn't call ourselves socialists just because we have, and there's a, there's a big misunderstanding of what socialism and communism is. Right. People think that just because you have a government, um, a government, um, you know, ran program for health or a government ran program for education, um, that that means that those are socialist institutions. That's not what socialist institutions are. Um, that, you know, working together as a representative government to tackle a problem is not a socialist issue. Socialism is based on a different ideology of government where everybody has to be, quote, equal in the equity sense. And that leads to people, basically, you can't have a nice house because who are you to have that kind of a house? You may have worked harder than others, but those others, you know, you, t- you took money from them, and it's all a oppressor-oppressed viewpoint, even though it's not accurate. It's just you did more work, you went to school, whatever, and you, you invested, and eventually you built yourself up to having a nice place. And that's, that's, not, that's not how they see it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff is infecting the minds of, of students and even people. And I remember even in high school in the nineties, a lot of my, uh, we were talking about this, believe it or not, over lunch one day before it became an issue. And they were like, Oh, socialism is a good idea. It just was never fully implemented. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And in college, you know, taking a Soviet course on in, in Soviet history class, I had to read the communist manifesto. And that is the most, um, inconsistent, um, book ever. It, it, the arguments just make absolutely no sense and are miserable, and the evidence of, in history speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, folks, it, it starts with the education of, of your, your children. And if there's ever, if there's an upside to what's going on right now, it has demonstrated the importance of local elections and, and the deceit that you're running for down in the House of Delegates. I think a lot of people don't pay attention to that, but we are seeing that that matters. I bet you these school board members are really just blown away. They've never had this much attention on them ever, ever in their lifetimes. <laughs> and now it, people are having a wake-up call and seeing the importance of this. And that's why you cannot sit home. You must vote. You must get involved. You must right. get involved. Right. Because they're taking one of the this things. country from us. Oh, sorry. No, they, they really are. And you, you said that um, um, you've heard comments that we can't use the term illegal alien, right? I, I heard you right. say that. Explain that a little bit for the, the listeners. Yeah, my, uh, my opponent in, and I don't remember where it was, but it was in one of the terms that on a committee meeting that um, Danica Rome and others were saying, and there's some people up in the federal Congress that say this too, that, you know, we shouldn't use the term illegal alien because there's no such thing as an illegal human being, you know, we're, we're not, or there's no such thing as an evil human being. And I'm like, well, yeah, there is because under the law that you're sworn to uphold and defend and, you know, supposed to make better, um, if you violate the law, you are illegal. If your immigration status is such that you are not on a visa, 
or you're not a resident alien, or you're not a U.S. citizen, naturalized or otherwise, you are here illegally, and therefore you are an illegal alien by the law. That's just how it is. Um, and they're trying to make it out to be that, you know, it's that whole no borders kind of a viewpoint mm -hmm. where, you know, it sounds good, it sounds warm and fuzzy, but it's it's not the reality. And when people swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the U.S. and the Commonwealth of Virginia, and they say stuff like that, they clearly haven't read them. And they clearly don't understand what their role is. And that alone should be enough to to replace that person, yeah. in my view. Well, you're a public policy guy, right? And so for the listeners that are out there that are listening to this podcast and um, it's it's quite possible that your you know people that are supporting your opponent maybe even your opponent will be listening to this podcast. Let's just have a little a primer here, little 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 school shop time, you know, school schoolhouse time. Um, mm -hmm. Why, uh, Christopher? Why do we why do we have borders? Well, we have borders because, um, as the former president would say, no borders, you don't have a country. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially. The, the borders are what is recognized internationally as your area, your territory, the the place where your people are living and, and paying taxes and, you know, raising families and things. And as a result of that, your governmental order is based on taking care of everything within that, that piece of land and that airspace and the waterways and things of that sort. Right. And uh, so... Does, does everybody in the world like us? No. Are there people that want to hurt us? Absolutely. Okay. And they, uh, do, is it in our best interest to know who those people are and to screen them to keep them from coming here to harm us? Absolutely. Okay. Are there people that have diseases around the country, around the world, that we want Absolutely. to prevent from coming here? Okay. Well, you, one would think, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, we know, we we know, because there's a whole bunch of them sitting down. In the, well, actually, uh, the Democrats have shipped many of them all over the, the country, to include Virginia, by the way. Um, yes. Uh, do we have, um, do we have, uh, human trafficking goes on in the world. Yes. Do they try to bring it into this country? Uh, they don't try. They they are they are actively. They doing are so. doing it right. Right. Um, is would a border like an enforced border kind of cut down on that a bit? Do you think? Yeah, if they kept it up and not taking it down, like supposedly parts right. of the new border wall were removed. Do we have dangerous drugs that come across our borders that kill Americans? Yes. Okay, let's see. Dangerous drugs, human trafficking, <laughs> terrorism, crime. Uh, let's see what else. Hey, uh, so if I leave the country, if I leave the country and I fly back into Dulles, do I have to go through the Border Patrol to come back into the country? Yeah, customs. Customs right or through customs, right? So I'm an American citizen. Can I get? Can I? Can I just pop down to the border and cross over a river and come into this country? Would Would that be okay? Not supposed to be. No. Um, are Are we being ma mandated to be? If you're a federal employee right now, uh, and actually you're small, actually these small businesses with people with over 100 employees, are we now being mandated to be vaccinated? They're trying to, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it's 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 there. <laughs> it's, it's no, no. There. What what I mean, yeah. what I mean is, is they they shouldn't have the authority to do that. No, but they're doing um, it right now. Yeah. But are all these people that are coming across the border are they vaccinated? No. Are some of them being shipped up here to Virginia? Lots of them. Right. So anybody that's out there that is on the opposite side of Christopher Stone here. Uh, running for office and if you have issues with anything that what we're talking about what i've said or what christopher has said um i would really be interested in hearing your logic behind this there are reasons why we have borders and there's a reason why uh we we have to put a stop to this because first and foremost it is the security of this nation i i spent my entire life in the military and in law enforcement and my entire life was centered around protecting the American people, meaning you, all of you that are out there. It's pretty hard to do when you let people just roll over the borders and we have no idea who some of these people are. If you've never been outside of this country, I suggest that you do it and go around the world 
and see what goes on in the rest of the world. There are a lot of people that want to wipe us off the face of the earth. It's in our interest to prevent those people from coming across the border. There are very dangerous diseases that people have that we don't want here. You know, COVID is not the only thing going on on the planet. Mm-hmm. There are other things. There's human trafficking. There's drugs. Fentanyl is a horrendous problem. Opiates are coming across the border. Um, these are things that need to be tamped down on, but people get all worked over the, over the term of illegal alien. You can use whatever term you want, but they are illegal. And those people are coming here, and then they put a demand on our services. Do they not? Because that's an issue that you, uh, you might want to address here as well, is the demands on our local services. Yeah, I've actually spoken with um, with regards to the children, for example. Uh, I say children up to teenage years um, that are being, you know, flown and bussed into Virginia, and um, a lot of the foster houses that they're they're trying to find foster houses to put these these kids in. A lot of them can't speak English. Um, some of them, even for whatever reason, end up being like underage mothers. Um, and by underage, I'm talking like 14 year olds that have babies when they arrive. And um, obviously no father, um, any of that stuff. And so you have almost, you know, they put them in these houses that they they find that in many cases already have several other foster kids that have been brought in. And not every county um, in the Commonwealth of Virginia have the resources, um, you know, through overtaxation and just income availability like Fairfax County does um, to to address some of these things. And that doesn't stop. Uh, the federal government from busing these folks in and scattering them all over the place. And by the way, one other point about illegal aliens with regard to the Afghan refugee situation, and you mentioned terrorism, um, there have been reports that um, there have been several hundred people on the terrorism watch list being found on airplanes from Afghanistan uh, arriving at Dulles Airport. So, uh, obviously, you know, similar to what happened with Europe with the Syrian situation where a lot of the, quote, refugees were these, you know, quote, fighting age males and not women and children like they were supposed to be. So you got to be very alert on that here in, in Virginia. And I also mentioned there's a reason why there are borders in the states. You know, we're, we're supposed to be a federalist, a federalism type system where a republic, a representative republic of federal, you know, federalism. And as a result, everything that's not enumerated in the Constitution of the federal level is left to the states. The states mm-hmm. are supposed to be sovereign to handle all these things. And over the years, we've seen a lot of, a lot more federal overreach, uh, not just state overreach, but federal overreach into the state affairs. And as a result of that, one of the reasons why I, I ran is because um, I think the state level needs to, needs to reassert themselves and remind the federal government that the states created the federal government and not the other way around. Um, as Ronald Reagan used to say. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. But it also hurts the economy, too. And so, I mean, that's another set of fun records of my opponent and the Democrat majority. Maybe we could get to in a little bit. But, yeah, it, it impacts everything. Yeah. Not just education, not just services, but but the economy. Yeah, well, go ahead and talk about that now. It's, it's a good time to bring that up. Well, um, you know, just the the economy is, of course, you got the, you got the economic services, and that's that's paid for by taxes um, and things of that sort. And of course, taxes have been going up since the Democrat majority came in in 2020. Um, it was a banner year for for us here in Virginia um, with the lockdowns and everything. The um, <clears throat> interesting thing is about about my opponent and a lot of uh, a lot of the colleagues of my opponent is that they keep referencing one article over and over again about how we're best for business as a commonwealth and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a CNBC article that came out a few months ago. And uh, that article is just so full of baloney when you look at the, the, the statistics and the actual analysis of what's going on across the country economically um, based on the Richmond policies, but also the Biden administration policies, which are leading to ever-increasing inflation, which makes the you know, for those who aren't familiar with what inflation is, it's essentially where it uh, it makes your money worth less. So you, you still have the higher amount of taxes based on, in, on a set income, but your income means less because it doesn't go as far when you purchase things. And so we're 49th out of 50 of states, uh, the best place to start a business. Oh, uh, is we, that we, right? We, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, we scored a 2.87 out of 10, 10 being the best score. Oh, my goodness. And I did not that, know that. Was, that. Yeah, that was based on six um, 
six indicators such as tax climate, consumer spending, rate of new entrepreneurs, business survival rate, labor costs, and climate. And each of those, we we were below four on all of them. So, you know, tax climate is only 3.8 out of 10. Um, consumer spending is low at 2.9, which makes sense because if you're being taxed higher, as they've been increasing gas taxes, like right now, um, in one bill, my opponent voted for no less than three gas tax increases um, in one bill in 2020 during the, the height of the overreach government shutdowns of the economy, which has increased the cost of food. And they're going to be tying next year in July. The next up, you know, in, uptick in gas and diesel prices are going to be based on consumer price index or basically cost of living, in which our cost of living has been raising it like, you know, double digits. So that's going to cost. So currently, at least, every, every about 50% on every dollar spent in buying gasoline is tax. And majority of that tax is, is state. Um, a little bit of that's federal. And so as a result of that, you know, you're seeing businesses struggling um, across the Commonwealth. And not to mention um, another thing, thing that adds to that with the inflation, making our money worth less and things costing more is um, food prices, like, as I mentioned, are going up, not just because of the gas taxes, but because of the diesel tax. There's an I-81 corridor that goes north and south. It goes up to the northeast and other parts of the country where a lot of the trucks bring in supplies and food and things of that sort for grocery stores and stuff. And as a result of that, um, that money, that cost of diesel fuel on that specific road are going to be you know, borne by those trucking companies. And then those are going to be passed on to the places they're trucking stuff for and then that's going to come down to us in costs of everything from you know building materials to to groceries and we also tax we have a grocery tax in virginia as well um so they keep adding all these taxes on and we have a over 2.5 billion dollar surplus uh this past year from the budget and they're touting it as a good thing and what that means is that they're they're taxing us way too much and all that money, I've been saying, should go right back to the public where it belongs, and we should we should cut these taxes back because it's ridiculous um, to do that when you have the economic policies that are just destroying where we were um, just a couple of years ago. So in January 2020, for example, our unemployment rate was 2.5%, which is very low. Uh, when you, when anybody who knows anything about economics, you know that. You know, you got to have some demand for jobs. So 2.5% is pretty darn good. And it was the lowest unemployment rate in like 50 years across the demographics. Um, just eight months later, we were uh, with government shutdowns and higher taxes and all these other things. We were over a 7% unemployment rate. We're still over 4% unemployment rate in Virginia as a whole. And yet they're saying my opponent has been posting on social media that, look, all of our policies are working or getting us back to where we should be. And I'm thinking, folks, you're the ones who created this mess. You're the ones who tanked the economy with your policies. And you're telling me that you, the people who created this mess are now fixing it. Um, I don't think so. Nice try. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're just, we're not, everyone knows it. I mean, businesses are hurting for people because we're paying people to not work. Um, and no one's, no one, there, there's lots of openings and they're, they're hurting for folks, especially food services and things of that sort. Um, and people are just not not coming in as fast as they as they should, um, and so it's just it's crazy. And, and a lot of folks, even older older folks that have fixed incomes, are like, you know, one week I go in and milk costs one thing, and then I come in the next week and it's another dollar higher or, or more, and it's just crazy. So this is hurting businesses, it's hurting families, and you you cannot convince me with real economic indicators that we're doing well no. um, based on their policies. Now, some of this is just common sense. You just you just look around. Just take gas prices, for example. You don't have to look hard. You just say, wait a minute. This time last year, it we've increased, what, 100% the, the amount for gas? Yeah, in, in 2019, I think it was, we were 2.5% unemployment, and the gas price was like $1.75 a gallon. And now we're, uh, I think, 320-ish. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's just one. That's just one of many, many markers yeah. to look at. It's just incredible. Right. We are not right. doing well. And your opponent, <laughs> I'd love to have your opponent come on the show and, and have, explain this to me. 
explain this to me how we are better off. I, I'd love to have that discussion because it's just, it's insane to me. I, I don't, unless your intent is to destroy our community, if that's what you're trying to do, I, I guess this is successful. But every, and I'm really searching my brain to find out what we, what one area where we are better off right now. Just trying to think of one. And I can't think of any. Well, yeah, they would they would have arguments, but they wouldn't hold water. Um, and I'll just mention, I, I mean, this is one of the things that sets me apart from my opponent. Is, is I, I've been a business leader. Um, I've I've been an, an employee. I've been unemployed. I know what that's like. Um, multiple times, I've had tight budgets. I, you know, I have a family of four to take care of, um, and I've worked very hard to to be where I'm at. And, you know. Bad times do happen sometimes, um, but at the same time, you know you can't you can't rely on government to take care of you. No. And when and when you when you and the other thing is is I I don't really care for the term workers. Um, that's no. another <laughs> term. So no. whenever I hear whenever I hear you know quote unquote Democrats who are you know saying oh we need to protect the workers, um, I always picture you know Red Skull and Captain America or or reading about the proletariat and you know the rise of the of the proletariat and the communist manifesto and they talk about the workers unite um it's just you know they're employees okay you know they're 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 citizens you know the resident aliens whatever there there is but they're they're either virginians and americans or they're not and that's the only thing that you should call them and stop all this you know racial and worker unite kind of stuff. It just, it doesn't help. It sounds everybody. awfully it help communist anybody. to me. <laughs> it yeah, it does. does. <laughs> it does. You know, I've and always yet, been, and, and speaking of which I've always been, uh, I know we use the term, the drugs are, and you know, terms like that in the federal government. I've, I've always been bothered by that. You know, as, as a U.S. military guy myself, I always thought, wait a minute, why in the world would we take uh, a term from uh, a whole system that is antithetical to what we do and start copying that? I, I would never, if I was ever in that position, I would refuse to have anybody refer to me as the drugs are. We have to have a yeah. better title than that. Yeah, when you look at if that, that just requires a little bit of knowledge of real history and not revisionist history. Um, because, I mean, if you look at how we originally framed our, our government titles when we started in the 1780s and 90s, um, we didn't even use the term ambassador because. We, we called ourselves ministers because we felt that our founders felt that ambassadors sounded too imperial. Um, and we wanted to be more Republican. Yeah. I mean, little R Republican. And so for a while there we used minister and now um, ambassador has just become sort of a, a phrase, you know, that everybody uses everywhere, whether they're a empire or not. But I mean, we, we were very careful with the terms we chose and now we're using all these terms like uh, czar and, and worker Workers and, and, and all that. It's just, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, you know, and like, uh, I will mention uh, that's the other phrase word I was called. I was called barbaric. That's right. Oh. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. In addition to being, being called all sorts of other names with the, with the smears we mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, um, barbaric was the other name that I couldn't remember earlier. It just came to mind. So, because I, I support the law and uh, want to protect, you know, our sovereignty. Imagine that. Uh, protect our nation, protect the people, and that's kind of a unique concept, I guess, today. I mean, to some people, oh yeah, unfortunately. Well, Christopher, I, I really enjoy you coming on the program, and I'm I'm glad that we got this update and you had an opportunity to set the record straight. And uh, any final words, any final thoughts that you want to give the listeners? Sure. Um, so for those of you in, in the area uh, of Northern Virginia, you know, we are having early voting during the weekdays until October when they open up to some weekday, weekend days. And then the actual election day for the Constitution uh, is November 2nd. So um, vote early. If you're concerned about election integrity, voting early is probably better just to try to protect your vote. Um, as we've heard things about what's going on in California, other places where people show up at polling places and find out that somehow they already voted um, when they didn't. Yep. So a lot of people are encouraging people to vote early because of that reason, just to be sure to protect your vote. Um, if you vote on November 2nd, I ask for your vote and uh, ask for your support. If you want to come to my website and donate, I would appreciate that because we're going to be 
needing lots of uh, lots of stuff to resources to uh, to keep pushing through the next month and a half or so. So that's www.christopherstoneva, as in virginia.com. And uh, I'd appreciate any help. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter if you want to want to see how we're we're waging waging war against uh, these dangerous ideologies and mm-hmm. policies that are damaging Virginia. So feel free to tune in. Yeah, f- vote early. If you're a Democrat, please only vote once. Only vote once, guys. If you're if you're a Democrat, uh, everybody else, you know, just get out there and vote as well. Hey, with the early voting, just out of curiosity, so the listeners know this. So, uh, you know, you have all of the different polling places where you go and vote. Are, are though uh, is it in the early voting? Is it a reduced number, or do you just go to your regular polling place that you would go to? Uh, on in, like in my case, uh, November second, where I would normally go. Yeah, the early voting there there are specific special locations for the early voting. Okay. And I like one of them, one of my areas is uh the Haymarket Gainesville Library is is one of those locations. There's three I think per county mm-hmm. um that allow people to go to. And they you should have your ballots for whichever districts you're in. Okay, so that. if you're listening, check that out. If you're gonna go early, it may not be your normal your regular uh polling place. It may be somewhere else, so check that out online. Right, and then on November 2nd, it would be the standard normal polling place. Okay, great. Well, again, Christopher, thanks again. Uh, for everybody listening, this is Christopher Stone. He's running for the House of Delegates in District 13. 13, so please give him your support. Check out his website. Uh, give a contribution. You know, this stuff, this stuff takes money to do. And uh, it, it's some of these races, you know, these current candidates that are getting tons of money from all around the country. So uh, support where you can. These are important. If the if one thing of the last year has taught us, local elections matter. They really do, because these. If you don't like what's going on, understand. It's your school board that's doing it. It's the state that's doing it. It's the counties that are doing it. Uh, implementing these these draconian measures. And so we've got to get out and do something about it. This is the time. So with that, folks, this is Mark Fines. Check us out on Rumble, on Parlor, on Facebook. Yes, we're still on Facebook. Check that out, you know, even Twitter. So with that, folks, we will be talking with you soon, and we will see you next time. <laughs>